Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined this week by not Pete Donaldson. He's on holiday, he's off washing his moustache or hair, I don't know where he is. But I've let him have the week off because this week we're joined by Norm from the YouTube channel Tokyo Lens, and he's here with me now. How are you, Norm? I'm doing? doing pretty good, thanks for having me. It's good to have you back. So last week on uh, Wednesday... Norm and I hung out in Tokyo, and uh, we're hanging out again. Uh, we talked a bit about your career, Norm. So Norm has a YouTube channel, Tokyo Lens, 150,000 subscribers. He's lived in Japan for over 10 years. He's a fluent speaker of Japanese. Uh, he's a master of shamisen, and he's just got lots of bloody good experiences to draw from, haven't you, Norm? It's a good time. It's a good time. So last week we heard about Norm's kind of story, why he came to Japan, why he started YouTube, how that's been going. This week we thought we'd kind of draw upon your experiences okay. and actually kind of hear about some of the things you've done while travelling around Japan. And mm. uh, when Japan eventually reopens and the concept of planes and travel and fun become a thing once again, uh, hopefully some of these ideas which we're going to talk about in this episode you can actually go and see and visit when you, when you get to Japan. What have you been doing today, though, Norm? How are you doing? Oh, yeah, it's 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 a pretty decent day. Um, I actually just got back from some travels, so Ooh. kind of putting together all the footage. Where'd you go? So I did Kyoto uh, a few weeks ago, and then right after Kyoto, I hit up one of my favorite islands in Japan being Shikoku, um, which I'm sure we'll get into. Later. How See, I've been to Kyoto this year, right? And it's been like the one place I want to go, and I actually am going in December, which I'm really looking forward to, but it must be like eerily quiet at the moment given it's you know it's japan's number one tourism hotspot and it was an amazing mix the day i arrived in kyoto it was a holiday mm. and so you wouldn't have been really able to tell mind you i haven't been there in 10 years and 10 years ago it was moderately quiet mm. um but I got there and i was like wow this is not what i imagined uh, everyone expected kyoto to be dead but uh couldn't drive there were people everywhere oh wow and then the next day was back to a normal day and everything was empty philosopher's path nobody heian jingu nobody wow fushimi inari next to nobody but still lots of people it seems like Japan's domestic tourism has made up a little bit for the, mm. the absence of foreign tourists. Uh, especially during the koyo or uh, fall leaves Yeah, season. autumn season, yeah. right. Nice. So would you recommend going to Kyoto at the moment? Is it, uh, should I go down? I, I did. 
you've got nothing to lose. Got nothing uh, to lose. You're, you're, it's not going to be as crowded as it would have been like a year ago mm. during this time, and I don't think you're going to be able to enjoy it like this. Did again. you Did you shoot any videos while you were down there? I definitely did. What have you got? Uh, I just dropped one uh, about uh, a night visit to Fushimi Inari. Oh yeah, I yeah. saw that. The Fushimi Inari Shrines. I think it's the place we actually hear, you know, mm. listeners want to go to the most in Kyoto. Yep. Something quite special so about crowded, it. crowded usually. Yeah. And um, you went at night. Completely at night, showed up at something like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. How are you not dead? Uh, How did you get, did you sleep during the day and then like go or did you just start uh, all night? Actually, just slept from maybe seven p.m. till two a.m. Uh, oh, okay. It was it was enough. It was dark outside. You know, it counts. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was a revenge trip because in two thousand and five I had gone and I had that little Sony Handycam mm. and it just couldn't pick it up at all. Oh. Uh, and as I was going down at night, it was getting dark, and I was like, "This would be an amazing experience. I want to capture it." And so this time I took a much better camera along with me <laughs> to capture it at night so I could share that experience. Because I think a lot of people want the experience of it being empty. And I mm. feel like that's one of the best ways to get it. And what's the video called? Uh, the video is Inside Kyoto's Mountain Shrine at Night. Inside. Very nice. I, I've never gone up at night. Um, I've only gone up during the day, and as you say, it's pretty busy. Mm. Where it was, um, would love to go up. And yeah, your video was very nice, like seeing the kind of all the Tory gates lit up. Something kind of magical mm. about it. Um, no wasn't it scary though? It's like wild boars in Vigna, there. Right? Are wild boars? We could hear like monkeys screaming wow. off in the distance. At one <laughs> point, I didn't get him in the video. We had a, a, a gentleman hiding in an alcove in a corner, just like rustling a bag. Uh, it was like crouch. Uh, it was terrifying. Oh my god! Yeah, um, but uh, you know, I, I wasn't alone. I was with Victor from Frame of Travel, and uh, the two of us were kind of talking fairly loud. And that keeps like bears and boars and all that away too. Definitely. The human voice. So. A bear wouldn't dare take on both you and Victor Frame of Travel at the same no, time. No. That would be very dangerous indeed. Climbing quietly, I think, would have had more risk. Yes, yes. So. Yeah, whenever you go like uh, mountaineering in Japan, you've got to take a little bell and mm, ring that yeah. to, to notify bears. Um, fantastic. Well, I look forward to hearing more about that in a minute. Let's turn our attention, though, to Story of the Week. We've got a story here from Graham, who says, Hello, gents. Hope you're both well. First of all, I want to say thanks. I moved from Northumberland in the UK to Osaka Prefecture in May 2019 through a two-year secondment from work. Wow, very lucky. Wow. I'd love to live in Osaka. It's like the coolest place in Japan, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good food, too. I'm, I'm, yeah, good food. I'm pretty envious whenever somebody tells me they've got to live there. Uh, last year, I was lucky enough to go and see England smash the USA in Kobe in the Rugby World Cup. Uh, the whole experience was amazing. Apart from one thing, I've never lived down since. Uh, while I was on a very crowded train full of drunk singing rugby fans, I noticed next to me a Japanese woman with her two young kids looking quite concerned by the crazy crowd around them. Uh, and I became quite worried that the kids might get crushed uh, amongst the stampede of people. Um, I put my uh, I put my arms up to hold onto the handrail in an attempt to give the family some space and hold the crowd back a bit. Oh, that's very noble. Mm. Very noble indeed, Graham. Um, unfortunately, my heroic effort was in vain when I accidentally elbowed the woman <gasps> in the face while lifting my arm. <gasps> because my secondment came at only a few months' notice, I spoke almost no Japanese at the time, but I thought I could manage an apology. So I came up with, Sumimasen, genki desu ka? To which she 
awkwardly nodded. Um, but I think she understood what I was trying to say. I explained this encounter to my Japanese colleagues who burst into laughter and explained that not only had I elbowed her in the face and said, excuse me, how are you? But Genki Desuka is also the catchphrase of a famous Japanese wrestler. Uh, this harrowing tale has got me wondering if you've ever made any catastrophic errors while learning Japanese. Mine has haunted me to this day and has sort of become my catchphrase in the office. All the best, Graham. Um, I mean, that's that's less a blunder of Japanese and more just a blunder of physical violence, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Have you ever done anything on that? What do you think? Is that a bad thing? Um, that- <laughs> it's not a good thing. No. <laughs> you will survive, uh, the, you know... There are much worse Japanese errors that you can make, uh, much bigger social blunt in the grand scheme of things. Example. Oh, Lord. Um, I don't know, being the guy... Here's one. Japanese people do this all the time as well. Being the guy who drunkenly drops his phone onto a crowded platform as it rolls in front of the train oh, and God, you got to yeah. stop the Chuo line or something. It's quite common, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's... It's humiliating. You haven't because, done that, have you? No, I've been, I've been lucky God. enough to... I would stand back. But those kind of things, like that would be... Mm. You've just impacted the day of thousands of people. Maybe mm. made people late for work or, you know, I, I don't know. But it that that would be pretty bad. I can't think of any... Or falling in. A fall, yeah, don't, don't <laughs> fall on the railway lines. I don't think I've, I can think of anything off the top of my head. Any catastrophic errors while learning Japanese. I mean, what you said, Genki this car... It's not too odd. It's just, it just. Yeah, I don't know. What would you have said if you'd smashed uh, a nice woman in the face on the train? I, I, I just would have been like, "Oh, see, nice with this car. Like, are uh, you okay? Yeah, are you okay? Yeah. Uh, Was Genki's more formal and more Genki? This guy's like, it's, it's that textbook. Like, how have you been? Almost. Right? Yeah. yeah. How are you? How have you been? Smashing oh. the face. How have you been? Yeah. There's <laughs> so one of our first trips to Kyoto back in two thousand. 2007 somewhere around there I was with a friend who walked up to a, a woman in a, in a geisha outfit mm. and wanted to ask her shashin totemo ii desu ka can I take a picture right and he asked me how do you say it so I said it back to him shashin totemo ii desu ka and I don't know it must have been like a, a game of telephone he <laughs> <clears throat> walks up to her and says sumimasen Chinchin tatemo ii desu ka? Oh my god, what? Which <laughs> translates much closer to do you mind if <laughs> I can't even, can't even say it? I can't you even. have to say it now. <clears throat> Cover your ears, <sighs> young folks. Yeah. What? Which translates to a really rough approach to do you mind if I get an erection? Oh my lord, <laughs> what did she say? She just looked at him like he can't be saying, luckily I was within earshot. He must have I, like read like a funny Japanese phrase book and heard that <laughs> phrase or something. I ran up and I correct it, it wasn't, he said more like shishin <laughs> but it sounded close enough that she was like, did he just say what I think oh, he just God. I ran up and corrected it and we had a good laugh and I didn't tell him what he said until after she was long gone. But. So there you go Graham, it could have gone a whole lot worse. <laughs> yeah. Beaten some poor woman on the face, on the train and then Asked a question of that caliber. Um, God, that's that's not good at all. But uh, thank you, Graham, for sharing your awkward story. Um, I'm sure the people in the office love that story. Um, I love the way that's become your phrase, Genki Disco. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, right, so 
on to your experiences in Japan, Norm. Last mm. week we talked about why you moved to Japan, mm-hmm. um, your experiences with the shamisen, your uh, journey as a YouTuber. Um, now I thought we'd draw upon your experiences a bit. And I've got six questions lined up, and I thought okay. we could pry into all different areas. And the first one is about places you'd recommend. What are mm. six places you'd recommend people to visit in Japan? You've travelled the country pretty extensively mm. um, from top to bottom uh, and have a, a, quite a lot of experiences. So what are your kind of six places you'd recommend uh, folks to visit? Yeah. Um, I'm going to group two big ones uh, right up at the top. Mm. The, the obvious ones. Just get them out of the way. Uh, Tokyo and Kyoto. Right out of the top, I think that they're essentials mm. to be able to feel the, the, the feel Tokyo, feel Kyoto, have that experience. Well, you've got to go. I mean, you've got to, you've got to, and it, those are the two locations that most yeah. folks coming to Japan will have. Any particular districts in Tokyo and Kyoto? There, um, Tokyo. It, that really comes down to person. Uh, a lot of people, for example, Tokyo love the west side, the Shinjuku, the Shibuya, all of that. When I first came to Japan, mm. that was my jam. Loved it. Uh, but I've actually fallen in love with the east side. And you used I, to live in that area, right? Yeah, Asakusa. Right. Um, I love the Asakusa Ueno. I love the Sumida River. I just love that whole zone, the Akihabara, that whole space. Oh, love it. Um, as for Kyoto, if you're short on time, the area immediately around the station has so much that you can do within walking distance mm. or even rent a bicycle and do double. Yeah, I've never ridden a bicycle in Kyoto. I'd love, actually, no, that's not true. I did for Journey Across Japan, but we didn't get to really enjoy it as much as I'd like. But I think that could be a really nice yeah. experience. There's a lot of Kyoto. like 500 yen, 1000 yen set like cycle rentals, and mm. they're just, it really opens up the city. Absolutely. That's the perfect side. And because Kyoto is flat. Yeah. For the, most of it is flat anyway. Yep. Uh, it's quite an easy place to cycle around, I imagine. Mm. Um, okay, so Tokyo and Kyoto. That would be, yeah. Number one. Uh, what about the second place? Okay, I would say I'll, I'll work. That'll be like the bottom of my list, and I'll okay. work up to oh. probably the, the top-ish. Next, I would say get to the very bottom of Honshu Island and check out Shimonoseki. You've been Shimonoseki. there. Yes, I went there with Ryotaro. We made a video uh, about fugu, you mm-hmm. know, the poisonous blowfish, and yep. it was pretty tasty. And that area, Shimonoseki, in Yamaguchi Prefecture, is famous for it. It's like the number yep. one fugu spot in Japan. Why? That's an interesting choice, though. I don't think I've ever heard anyone recommend uh, Shimonoseki. Why, um, why there? Well, there's. Uh, I've got a variety of reasons. I spent some time there when I first came to Japan. Uh, there's a mountain there called Hinoyama, mm. uh, which to me was beautiful because you can climb up. And I think a lot of people don't realize Shimonoseki is the, the last city at the end of Honshu. So right, yeah. the, I think it's the Kanmon Strait divides Honshu and Kyushu. Yes. Yeah. And you can climb up this mountain and you can see the edge shape of Kyushu and you can see the boats going through that strait. Um, you can also, I think, you've gone underneath the bridge as well I you did. can go between the two sides so on yeah on journey across japan um i think we did a video called how much japanese can you learn in a day or something mm. my my <laughs> co-rider my friend ellen she had to see how much she could learn i think she learned like 20 30 words quite impressive actually but yeah there's a tunnel that goes from honshu to kyushu and mm. uh we wanted to cycle through it but you have to walk with your bike yep. so I was looking forward to that little tunnel, but it became quite unpleasant. Walking with the bike, and you can you can see that in the video. But there's a, just near there, though, there is a really bloody good fish market, mm. one of my favourites in Japan. And when I went there with Ryotaro, um, he knew one of his friend's mums, one of his friend's mum uh, worked at the market and had this mm. stall where you could buy like individual 
pieces of sushi for like 200 yen. Really mm. good food. Uh, have you been to the market? Yeah, I've been to the market. It's actually one of my cool. favorite places to get breakfast. Uh, the, what's it called? Uh, so fugu is known for being a rather expensive food. Um, it is, yeah. But you can get a fugu breakfast set at that market. Well, you could in 2005 <laughs> for 700 yen. Jesus. So it's probably cheap. still under 1,000 yen, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just a really spectacular place. And Shimonoseki is a great base for traveling out to other places. You can get down to Kyushu very easily. You can go down to Fukuoka. You can go out to Hiroshima. You mm. all over the place. In fact, there's even a boat that will take you from Shimonoseki to Busan in Korea. Wow. Should you be so inclined. That's pretty cool. So. It's a pretty, yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting point. I think, yeah, for those of you that want to try Fugu. In particular, mm. Shimonoseki can't be beat. And the market in question is the Karato market, Karato Ichiba market. Um, yeah, one of the, I think on, on your list, you can actually check that out. One of Broad Japan. Got a video there. All right, number three. Where do you uh, recommend next? I would say head straight down south into Oita area. Oita in, in Kyushu. In Kyushu. You can go anywhere in Oita. You can go anywhere, like. It's, you can't go wrong. Um, I personally love driving through the mountainous areas in Yufuin area. It almost doesn't even look like Japan. Mm. It's like you've I've suddenly that, stepped yeah. into like Iceland or something like mm. that, or like the, the rolling green hills of Ireland, which I've never been to. <laughs> the rolling green hills of Ireland that you've never been to. Yeah. I know what you mean, though. Kyushu is a very odd place in terms of landscape. And I remember mm. driving to Beppu, uh, Japan's number one hot spring resort, which yep. is in Oita, yep. um, and driving through those mountains and being in awe. And they actually burn a lot of the trees, or they burn the, the grass or something mm. on the side of the mountain, don't they, every year, I think. Um, what's in terms of Oita, then? It's, again, um, it's one of those places where if you don't have a lot of time, you can experience a lot of Japan. Like, let's use Beppu as a perfect example. Right. Um, Beppu, you can experience a bit of the city. You can hit mm. up an izakaya. Then within 15 minutes of that city, you could be up in the mountains. Or if you're not into the mountains or you just want a bit of a change, within 15 minutes of that city, you could be down at the ocean. You could do city ocean mountains all within like <laughs> half an hour of each other mm. uh, there's everything from the onsen so you can get buried in hot spring sand and there's the great dream. food and yeah oh. who, do, who doesn't want to be buried in sand uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have done it on the side of the mountain I think I think for me though the main sales selling point of um, of Oita and Be- is, is Beppu in the, the hot springs yep. when you come over the mountain uh, and Beppu is kind of surrounded by mountains. You can see all the steam rising up from the city because mm. there's just so many hot springs throughout. Um, and so it looks kind of beautiful, right? It does. Yeah. Mm. Um, so cool. Oita. Yeah. Nice one. Nice choice. Number three. Uh, on to number four. I'm going to go ahead and <clears throat> we're going to skip like right across back onto the main island of Honshu, but the very top of it to right. the area, the Tsugaru region. Oh, Tsugaru in like Aomori. Aomori area, stuff like that. Uh, it's a very flat, plain style area, but mm. with so much culture, food, music. There's just so much of like the, the Japan that we think of, like those, uh, oh, I can't even, my, my words aren't coming to me. When you think of those giant floats, um, oh, festival floats! Yeah, like yeah. the giant festival floats, and I, the words escape you. Sugaru Jamisen, the music that I love. Yeah, Sugaru, uh, the Jamisen's from Sugaru. Yeah, um, so much culture, history, stories are born from that area, and you never run out of things to explore or people to meet, and everyone is so welcoming. 
I think Almori, whenever I speak to my good friend uh, Riotere, and we've travelled to Almori about five or six times, we both think that Almori is the most kind of magical prefecture in Tohoku, of mm. the six prefectures, right? And you've got like cider. You've got. I, I did a video there recently that's coming out early next year where we ate a bear. You ate yeah. a bear. <laughs> we ate a bear. Sounds it's pretty, pretty hardcore. Um, I wonder how that'll do. But um, they've got too many bears there, apparently. So they have to cull them with, with machine guns. And, uh, I don't know how to respond. <laughs> poor old bears. But um, yeah, they eat bear there, historically. Mm. Um, they've got some beautiful traditional inns. And it's a really magical place. Very snowy, though, in winter. If you if you like snow, go there in winter. If you don't, avoid it like the plague. But yeah, Sugaru, really cool place. Mm. Um, number five. Number five, um, I'm going to go a, a specific uh, space inside of an island I love. Uh, and I'm going to go specifically to Tokushima. Tokushima is in the island of Shikoku. Mm. And it's an area that I haven't really explored until this year, really. But it's got some spaces in it that are known as, like, Japan's unexplored zones. Mm, mm. And it really feels like that. I think Shikoku feels like the last frontier of Japan yeah. in some respects. It really and it's does. weird because it's, it's nestled, it's kind of nestled in between Honshu and, like, big cities like Hiroshima, uh, Okayama. They're kind of over the coastline, mm-hmm. right? But then Shikoku itself, you don't really hear a great deal about Shikoku. And I love it. I've been there a few times. I love Matsuyama, one of my favourite cities. Um, but I haven't been into the mountains like you have. And in fact, um, your I think your number one video, mm. the man who lives in an abandoned Japanese school and the Scarecrow Village, yep. which we talked about last week, um, your most successful videos, you filmed them in Tokushima? Yeah, both Tokushima. in Tokushima. And just, there's so much... Expo- I ended up going back last week to oh. Tokushima and revisiting... What were you, what were you doing there? And the, the goal was experiences this time. So I, last time I was just exploring. This time I went back to do stuff. I did, like, forest adventures. I tried zip lines. I, wow. like, I went around to some of the more touristy spots. I went from there down to Kochi, which is another fantastic area in Shikoku. But I've been to everywhere in Shikoku pretty much. But Tokushima especially feels like a zone for exit. It's one of the places that it's a lot better if you have a car mm. and you can drive around. There's so much to explore. So much exploration and so much discovery to be made. Is is, is it at risk with the population going down? Of It's one of the prefaces that's experiencing the worst effects of yeah. um, the population, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I'd love to go down there. You've certainly done a good job selling it to me this year <laughs> with your videos. Um, all right, number six, then. Number six is just the the entire island of Shikoku. Shikoku, in the whole island. The whole island. Right. All four prefectures. Um, in Shikoku, so it's four countries. So it's got the four prefectures there. Mm. It's one of the areas that I skipped over in my first travel of Japan, where I went around the entire country. I went there for the first time a couple of years back, and then just ended up continually going back and i spent a lot of that time originally in matsuyama and then i'd branch out to like kochi and whatnot what kind of food it was the standout food of shikoku when i think standout food of shikoku my mind goes instantly to kochi to the katsuo oh the fish the fish yeah, yeah. and yeah. you think that have you been to the market 
I'm not、uh, been to Koshiroi. Okay,、mm. there's a Hiroi Ichiba.、Uh, it's got a market with,、uh, it's basically just an indoor food market with all these different food vendors. And they have this giant glass window where they're just throwing hay on the fire and they're roasting <laughs> the fish and the flames are、oh, wow. like two meters tall. So and they smoke the, the fish. Yeah. Wow. That's quite、really、the、cool. thing to see right there. I want,、uh, I, a lot of. The time I get、um, listeners and viewers、um, telling me to go to Shikoku and do the pilgrimage. I think it's、mm. like a hundred. How many shrines are there? Oh, my. A hundred temples or something. It's, it's, not, it's like 30 some odd, 40、oh. some odd, 200. I don't know. It seems pretty <laughs> hard to do. Yeah. I think you should do it. I think you should do it because I don't think I could. <laughs>、um, so there you go. Those Norm's six places he recommends Kyoto,、mm. Tokyo, Shimonoseki in Yamaguchi,、uh, Tokushima in Shikoku, the whole of Shikoku, the whole of Shikoku.、Uh, Oita Prefecture in Kyushu,、uh, in particular Beppu, and Sugaru in Aomori. Fantastic、mm. places there. Really, ni- really nice, kind of diverse list there、um, to immerse yourselves in. And certainly, if you come in Japan for three weeks, you could probably visit all of those places. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi.、Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stresses. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realize that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension, so you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com forward slash Japan. 
Join us for a very Clash of the Titles Christmas because we're doing what every family does at this time of year. Arguing about which film is better. We've proof this pod is good for your elf as Elf takes on Santa Claus the movie. With Santa Claus the movie, for years I couldn't walk past a slice of ham. (laughs) 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 Reaching for it like a grubby string. We're doing that festive thing of overindulging in sweet stuff. It's the holiday versus love, actually. I've never seen women apologise so much for being women as in the holiday. And yes, they are Christmas movies. We've got Die Hard versus Lethal Weapon. I'm so bored of that question, so let's flip it. Is Christmas a Die Hard movie? (laughs) (laughs) That's Clash of the Titles this December. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Clash of the Titles is a Stakhanov production. Merry Christmas. Um, Okay, on to some more questions. Okay. So you're from Canada, from Toronto. Yeah. Nice place. It's got a really tall building, CN Tower. Yeah, that That's my knowledge of Toronto finished. It was was the tallest until the Skytree was built here in Tokyo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bastards. Buggers. Damn them. (laughs) What else else is in Toronto? It's good. Uh, Wow, put me on the spot. (laughs) Asking the real questions. I I love the city for its food. Food. Uh, Which is something that, like, here in Tokyo, I don't do as much. I don't do a lot of food on the channel, to be honest. Um, Poutine, yes, absolutely. If you don't know what poutine is, Chris, you want to take it? Somebody took some french fries and dumped a <laughs> of gravy on I them. I really should And have. cheese curd. It's good, though. It's good. It is, it I, the first time I had it, I was like, what is wrong with people in Canada? The second time I had it, I was like, people in Canada are geniuses. I think the first time I had it, it was really bad. Someone mm. screwed up the, the cheese curd, but the second time it was magical. It's like sushi. It's can you either... get it in Japan anywhere? Yeah, yeah. There are a few places that make versions of it or attempted versions of it, mm. but it's just, it's not the same. What else does Canada have food wise? Maple syrup. Uh, maple syrup is a big one. Um, can you put maple syrup on poutine? You could. That's the, you that's really. the peak Canada, peak that's Canadian Canada dish, is it? Some, some Canadian bacon on top of there as well. Some Tim Hortons, just crumble up some Tim bits on there, maybe a double double. <laughs> you sold it to it. <laughs> uh, but what does Canada do better than Japan, do you think? That's. Um, I, I try to live in a in a world where each country is kind of its own thing. Mm. Um, so that's difficult for me. But I'd say one thing. Uh, just, it's, I don't know if it's a thing that they do better. But you know how there's always something from another country you miss mm-hmm. that you can't oh, easily yeah. get. Um, so there are just just certain foods uh, in volume, like uh, I don't know anything from going out for wing night. Where you can get all the different wings for like twenty nine cents each, sitting down with beer, getting a, a plate of nachos, some. I don't you know. could do that in Tokyo. You can, but the thing that makes it great, and not everybody shares this view, but I think certain foods are good because they come in volume at a low price. Um, I have no interest in expensive tacos. I want tacos that are borderline going to make me sick for an incredibly cheap price in a high volume. Same thing with pizza. I don't need the world's best pizza. I'm fine with really bad pizza, just a lot of it at a low price. And some foods for me are like that. <laughs> and I, I think when I asked, really bad... When I, when I asked this, 
this question. What does Canada do better than Japan? Uh, to to Charlotte last month, she gave like a deep seated cultural <laughs> and, and, like example, and you just gone. I miss discount chicken wings. Like <laughs> ridiculous. I do, I do, because Japan does so much so well. And as the world becomes slightly more international with things like Amazon and everything like that, I can access so much more of the things I couldn't access before in Canada. What about really? culturally though? What does what does Canada do better than Japan? From a cultural sense, outside of discount chicken wings. If I had to go with a really honest, like deep cultural sense on what Canada offers that I have to search harder for in Japan, but still exists, there's that native culture in Canada, the, the First Nations. Um, there, you have the ability to go out to Indian reservations. You can experience powwows. You can learn about that deep culture. There's a lot of that there, and it's really ingrained into the landscape of mm. Canada itself. The government has given entire reservations to tribes and everything like that. I was lucky enough to grow up uh, with quite a bit of that. And while Japan does have that, especially areas like Hokkaido with the Ainu and everything. It's not as prevalent. They've kind of been a bit sidelined, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. And so there is... And like the, it's one of those things that the deeper you go into the culture, the more interesting, the more beautiful, the, the, the music, the language, all of that. I really enjoy that side of things. But enjoying different music language cultures is one of the things that drew me to Japan mm. in the first place Interesting. So, yeah so that's a deep that's a deep answer no that and going from chicken dis- discount <laughs> chicken wings to really deep uh, endangered cultures and very nice <laughs> all right on the flip side then what does japan do better than canada that's my third question to you um what does japan do better than canada i'm going to th- I don't want to go for a really obvious Discount one. ramen. Discount ramen. <laughs> um, like, honestly, you... I, I feel it's really low-hanging fruit. Right. But convenience stores. Japan oh, well, yeah. Convenience stores better than absolutely anywhere. Well, I certainly miss that in the UK. Like, the fact that you can just walk into a convenience store 24 hours of the day if you need something, no problem. In the UK... It's a bit more tricky to find a, a store that's open twenty four mm. hours like that. And you can you can do everything. You mm. can you can obviously print stuff out. The you fact can get you can print ticket. things that's you magic. Can get your Ghibli Museum tickets at a convenience store. And you pay can have your Amazon delivered and pay for your flights. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Convenience stores. I don't know why the UK doesn't have them. I actually needed uh, an extra battery while I was out in Kyoto filming a documentary mm-hmm. like two three weeks ago, and. I Amazon primed a battery no. to a convenience store. Like a camera battery. Like, like a, a camera battery. Camera. Oh, right. And I could just go to a convenience store and pick it up the next day. That's amazing. Yeah, because I was changing hotels, so I didn't know exactly where I would be. So I just had it sent directly to the convenience store that I knew would be nearby. Never thought about doing that. Yeah. Wow. It's very it's much an option. Life hacks with Norm. <laughs> Get it on Amazon delivered to convenience stores. <laughs> Amazon deliver at convenience stores. Japan does it better than Canada. That's a good answer, though. Really cool. Um, okay, what about one experience? Let's turn to experiences you can have in Japan. What's one experience everyone coming to Japan should have? One thing. Hands down, if you drink, then I'd say drinking. If you don't drink, then I'd <laughs> say a meal with a local. Absolutely. Okay. Go into a restaurant. Like, try to. Ch- chances are, 
if you look at somebody and smile and they make eye contact, then they're comfortable to speak to you. The people who mm. won't want to speak with you won't make eye contact. Chances are yeah. if they make good eye contact first, they might even speak English if you're not comfortable with your Japanese. That's actually a trick that I've always used. If before my Japanese was comfortable, if someone made eye contact with me without me like searching it out... I would just be like, sorry, can you speak English? It's a really good point. I mean, it's important to point out to listeners that in Japan, people don't make eye contact mm. uh, as much as in the West, right? Sorry. I've noticed that. It seems to be like some sort of traditional Japanese mm. cultural aspect <laughs> that eye contact is seen as being rude. Uh, it can be. Heard, it's yeah. invasive to some people. But if people look at you like that at a bar, then mm. usually that means come over and I'll give you a free beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> use that Use that with caution. Uh, <laughs> it might mean I hate this foreigner, why are they in the bar? <laughs> but um, no, that's a really good point. Dining, um, mm. eating, drinking with a local. Yeah. And a lot of the most kind of the, the stories and experiences we hear from listeners, from you guys, are, are folks that have actually just gone to an izakaya, yep. gone to a bar or restaurant, and someone's gone, oh, where are you from? Oh, yep. wow, cool, and started chatting. And there's Avoid no doubt. the tables, go for the counter seats. Counters, yes. There's almost always a counter seat in bars and izakayas, and that's where you're going to make friends. 100% yeah. counter seats. I met a gentleman out in Kochi uh, just last week. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, boy. And he's got the world's craziest life story uh this gentleman was like oh i was in new york for a bunch of years and then i went to dubai and i asked to take a picture with this woman and the police got really offended oh and they grabbed me and oh i accidentally hit an officer and oh god two years in a dubai prison Whoa. and then i wasn't allowed back into the states so i had to give up all my stuff and i traveled southeast asia and then i came back to japan and bought a motorcycle and crashed it and then spent three months in a japanese prison why didn't you make a documentary on this guy <laughs> i was just sitting there listening i was like wow just did you get his business card or anything yeah yeah we're in we're in contact you've got to go and like interview him he's got dreadlocks he's probably like 75 years old no he's got dreadlocks and is covered in sleeves of tattoos oh my lord yeah he's got the tiny little john lennon glasses he makes natsuki sound boring i mean this is the coolest man in japan i've never heard of anyone quite like that go and go and interview him film it make (laughs) the film we deserve there we go so, <laughs> dreadlock Japanese, seventy-five-year-old serial <laughs> offender yeah. who's lived in Dubai prisons. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. But yeah, great, great, great point there. Um, one experience everyone should have: mm. eating, dining, uh, drinking yeah. with a local, which you can do just by wandering in. Yeah. There are some um, services I think we can do that. Is mm. it, what's the one in Tokyo that everyone always goes on about? It's like, there's like a one in Tokyo. It's like All a, the influences like always. Tour or yeah, something? like some sort of bar hopping. Okay, okay. There's like, I'd say one of my favorite places, like if you're in Tokyo and you want to do it, um, there's a Rastafarian bar in Asakusa. Oh, wow. Called That's Rastaman's cool. Cafe. And the owner is such an outgoing person that you cannot walk by the bar and have him standing outside without becoming friends with him. Absolutely cool. He, and he attracts that type of customer. So when you go there, you end up just speaking to everyone. What's, Everyone's What's the bar again? I think it's called Rastaman's Cafe. And it's right behind Kaminarimon in Asakusa. Oh, wow. It's like a two-minute walk from it. Imagine he gets a lot of tourists passing through there. Yeah, yeah. It's, right so. near that street that used to have the beautiful view, but then got blocked by the hotel. The beautiful view of the sky yeah. tree. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So. Cool point, though. But yeah, there are bar hopping tools. I think magic, magical trip is the one I'm thinking. Something about like that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, do if you if you are like somebody who's a bit on the fence about just chatting with strangers, just book yourself onto a bar hopping tour. Mm. And uh, yeah, just type it into Google, and there's quite a lot 
in Tokyo in particular, Tokyo and Kyoto, they're pretty popular. Okay, cool. Uh, what is uh, question five? What's one thing everyone coming to Japan should avoid doing? The kind of the, the flip side to that. Some oh. sort of, either a tourist trap or something. Uh, this is deep like, thought mode here. <laughs> this is deep thought mode. There, there's a lot of stuff that you'd recommend like avoiding. Like, for example, uh, if somebody approaches you up on the street and is like, come into our bar, especially in an oh, area like Shinjuku or Roppongi, under no circumstances, no matter how uncomfortable you are saying no, under no circumstances should you do that. It's good that you should bring that up. We've we've covered that a lot of the podcast because okay, we good. a lot of our listeners we we've had stories of people who came here on their honeymoon and lost yeah. like five thousand yep. dollars. So Very think, possible. Uh, either this year, earlier this year, or year, last year, there was yeah a couple that uh, came to Japan on their honeymoon and had it ruined, and they got back to the UK or the US and um, they had like loads of debt just because oh. they'd gone in, they'd had their drinks spiked, their credit cards were taken. And uh, they just emptied it, basically. Yep. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, definitely avoid anyone telling you to go in a bar in Roppongi, yeah. Shinjuku, Shibuya, anywhere. To if honest. you meet somebody in a bar, it's great to drink with them. It's great to have a good time. But if somebody, it, like I, to this date, just as a general rule, if you meet somebody, even if they just come off like a really a friendly person, help. and they're like, yeah. yo, let's go drinking together, mm. right? If I don't choose the place then no, or chances yeah. are I just won't go because yeah. the risk is just too high. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's the, a really important point there for, for mm. any of you coming to Tokyo in particular. Tokyo in particular, yeah. yeah. Okay. And and finally, for let's turn to your own memories in Japan. You've done so many bloody things. What is one of your best memories from your time living in Japan? Like an achievement, a place, a moment, something that really stands out? There are your decade-long adventures in Japan. Feels like a cop-out to be like, there are too many, but there really, <laughs> really are. I mean, the, easy, um, the easiest one is Journey Across Japan, Escape to Fiji. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> easily number one from that week. Uh, <laughs> um, I would have to say, we, we talked, I think in the last episode we did, we talked a bit about my journey to becoming the apprentice of the Yoshida brothers. Mm. And I would say that entire like two, three year experience culminating in actually getting a yes from them finally and all the roadblocks and no's and everything that I got along the way was by far one of my favorite experiences. There was every type of challenge you could imagine from time management to cultural learning to language to everything in between. Mm. Um, and I just, and everything that's come from that, like we've been on TV together several times. Uh, we've done, we've traveled together, you name it. And that, that journey so becoming to everything I have now. Becoming a professional shamisen player who's played with Japan's number one shamisen mm. artists. Yeah. That's a pretty good experience, to be fair. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's better than anything I can think of. <laughs> I climbed a mountain once. It was good. Like, that's, my, that's my memory. I, um, I don't have anything like that, really. No. But that's, that's fantastic. And uh, a good story there of persistency. Mm. Being persistent. Keep going. Never give up your dreams. Mm. So that's what we can take away from, from Norm. Very deep. Very deep. <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic like for once either, yeah. And discount chicken wings exactly. from Toronto. Uh, we now turn our attention to the fax machine. Um, well, we're going to hear some of your stories and questions. We got one from 
uh, Hamish it says hello Chris and Pete I'm Hamish from Adelaide Australia or should I say Hamish from Japan I recently arrived in Japan for the JET programme and I'm writing because myself and the other assistant language participants are in two weeks of quarantine at a hotel near Tokyo and I would like to ask you this extremely important question what do you both recommend in order for us to help pass the time with Japan related activities for obvious reasons they must be activities that can be done in a roughly 15 meter square space you guys might want to do some shameless promotion for the podcast here uh, thank you for staying on the airwaves and all the best uh, PS my placement is in Nara if you guys were wondering mm. wow that's pretty cool but yeah. god two weeks in a hotel in Tokyo yep I wonder how that would feel. Would it feel like really long? Or would it go really quick? I feel like it would. It would feel like an eternity because Tokyo is right there. That would be torture. <laughs> it's like, it is right there, and you're just like, no, I just, I'm just gonna look at it from the window. I wonder what hotel Hamish is in. I hope it's a decent hotel. Yeah. Although 50 meter square room, that means it's a, probably an upper hotel. So it's probably <laughs> it like- that. Good God, that's tiny. The Fifty meters square open up to another building. Well, like that's insanely small. Good, good, good God, Hamish, how are you not going insane? Uh, I would be. I mean, at least you got Japan on your doorstep. At least you got kind of the excitement to get mm. you through. Um, smell it. Can smell Japan out the windows, but you can't go there. Crikey! Wow. Um, what productive things can Hamish do while he's there? Apart from watch abroad in Japan uh, weekdays on Sunday. Well, that's uh, you know one that comes to my mind is obviously origami. Origami, the master. Origami and chicken wings. <laughs> the, the, origami the take it lens story. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I. You know what? If it were me, um, I would study Japanese. I'd mm. crack out a textbook or an app and just study. Just keep calling the front desk, <laughs> yeah, chat to their staff. Do do study something. Like my biggest regret when I kicked off my teaching career was I didn't know mm. any Japanese really, um, and I. The first few weeks of studying make the most impact because mm. you learn all the key phrases and words you need to yeah. get by. So if it, if your Japanese is non-existent or not very good, then definitely study some Japanese Hamish. Use something. Use an app like Human Japanese, mm. my favourite. Genki, I suppose you can't really get a textbook, mm. so that's out of the question. But get like an app like Human Japanese, uh, Tai Kim's Grammar Guide, another good one. Uh, what's, memorize. Memorize is okay. good, yeah. Suppose you didn't do any. I, I, so I'm, I'm like sitting here just yeah, nodding along to these egg. textbooks. Um, another one is I think the that that English teaching for some people is like just the best job. It's the most suited job. Like they really enjoy it, mm. and for others, it's a really good foot in the door. Um, so I like the idea of when you arrive also having the idea of what you want might want to do next like if there's a life after english teaching mm. right what do you want to start learning now what skills do you want to start That's building so that when that section of your life comes to an end you can transition into something else it can be a great foot in the door for you to so when you move to skills. japan you already had a rough idea that i'm gonna be a pro at shamisen and I had no clue okay so it just <laughs> it just happened what about youtube Again, same Again, story. like that, that was kind of thrown on me. See, I will say that I did have a plan for YouTube at the back of my mind. I didn't mm. know it would kick off or be successful, but I kind of thought, well, I'm going to make the YouTube channel that I wanted to watch before I came to Japan. So mm. that's my advice to you, Hamish. Plan out a YouTube empire. Mm. Start, start, get a bit of paper and map out what you want the next few years to look like. Study some Japanese and, of course, watch abroad in Japan. Watch Journey Across Japan again. Do that. And enjoy Nara. And enjoy Nara, yeah, you're very lucky. You were yeah. there. 
like two weeks ago, right? Yeah, right before going to shoot that documentary that we were talking about before. Um, I'd spent an entire day there just walking there's deer everywhere. You, you fed an awful lot of deer that day. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> lots of leaves and nuts from the trees. But no, Nara is a fantastic place, the old ancient capital, and uh, you can visit Kyoto and Osaka on week- weekends mm. outside of work. But good luck with the jet programme, Hamish. Good luck in Nara, and good luck in the next couple of weeks in the damn hotel. I hope it's not too um, <laughs> stressful. I'm sure you'll look back and it'll be a funny story one day. Uh, and definitely do the origami. Uh, what do we got? Jordan from Seattle. Uh, to start off, thanks for all your hard-working and consistently releasing new episodes twice a week during the t- pandemic. They're a great joy to listen to on my lunch break. I have been enjoying the new series of Journey Across Japan, and the first episode reminded me of something from my trip to Osaka in 2019. During our approach to Kansai International Airport, I saw a large white statue out the window of the plane which turned out to be the World Peace Giant Kanon in Awaji Island. Later in the week, while riding the Tempozan Ferris wheel in Osaka, I spotted a large and interesting domed structure that seemed to be floating in the water of the bay, which turned out to be the Osaka Maritime Museum. I was surprised to learn that both structures are abandoned and have been for many years. Compared to the abandoned love hotel and the roadside shop that you recently featured, it seems odd to me that these rather large and impressive structures have been allowed to fall into disrepair. Apparently, the Kanan statue is kind of crap compared to the one located (laughs) near you in Sendai. But the Maritime Museum is a beautiful building that won a structural engineering award. There are many other large and conspicuous buildings in Japan that have been similarly abandoned. Or, is that a question? Are there many other Mm. large and conspicuous buildings in Japan that have been similarly abandoned? Or did I happen to spot two rare examples on my trip? Best regards, Jordan from Seattle. Interesting. So the giant cannon statue, like mm. a die cannon, it's just these big kind of yeah, yeah. Buddhist figures they have. Buddhist, Buddhist Drove statue. by it the other week, actually. Yeah, and Sendai, <laughs> Sendai's got one of the tallest in Japan. I think mm. it was the sixth tallest statue in the world at one point, about 100 wow. metres. Incredible structure. Um, but this one's abandoned. And the Osaka Maritime Museum, which I've looked up, and it's this beautiful-looking dome that was built in, like, 1998, and they closed it in 2013. Huh. And... It's a really good point that these aren't two rare examples, Jordan. There are a lot of abandoned things in Japan, and that is because I think a lot of owners just don't want to go through all the regulations and expenses of knocking down these buildings and structures. Mm. Um, what have you found over the years, Norm? Oh, everything. Uh, actually, <laughs> I'm I'm shocked right now because I drove. I've driven by this cannon statue. Oh, really? Talking about twice in the past three months. And what did it look like? It's just it's big. Is it, it run down? Really clean. It's oh. not run down whatsoever. Um, so I'm surprised to find out that I've driven by an abandoned building twice and didn't check it out. It's right? very unnorm like. Yeah, kind um, of not pleased. But there's been everything from uh, abandoned bridges and there's a lot of abandoned structures like buildings, mm. shrines, hotels, uh, shrines weared in the mountains. We found one last year that clearly nobody had been to in an incredible amount of time because we couldn't walk more than a meter without cobwebs. Mm. Even in a giant forested area, just spiderwebs oh everywhere. God. Yeah, Haikyuu are common because, well, like I just said, it's quite expensive to get rid of these things. But also in the 1980s and 
early 90s Japan had a bit of an economic boom and people had a little bit too much money to spend and mm-hmm. they did build these elaborate structures, these daikanon statues, often for tax reasons, like the one in Sendai. Um, and we went to the Love Hotel on the first day of Journey Across Japan, didn't we? And that was pretty eerie. I think that had been abandoned <laughs> for seven or eight years. It looked like at least that. Mm. Every window was smashed. Yeah. That was chilling. Um, bats when we first got bats, in there. Bats, yeah, Natsuki dealt with those. I, there's so many. If you go into the countryside, you never know what you're going to find. Mm. And I think both Norm and I are kind of interested in that side of Japan. There's a lot of places to explore. Mm. Just be careful where you do go, because obviously it can be difficult to, to get into some of these places. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a really interesting aspect of going out into the countryside, right? Yeah, and unfortunately a lot of them recently are starting to be purchased by NPOs. Mm. And there are abandoned theme parks, there are abandoned hotels. I had at least four on the list for this year, which within 2020 had been purchased by an NPO and then they've blocked it off or put up cameras inside. What are they going to do with it? Just knock it down? They may knock it down. They may Build turn something. it into something else. Mm. Yeah, there are some really, really nice ones that just are no longer accessible. Mm. I Yeah, I wonder why they closed the Maritime Museum. But uh, thank you, Jordan, for sharing those stories. And mm. uh, yeah, I hope you can go out and discover some more places on your on your next travels um, to Japan. Go on for Brandon from Iowa. Uh, in the US. Hello, Chris and Pete. I always love the podcast and hearing what crazy adventures your listeners get up to in Japan. Uh, watching Chris finally see Mount Fuji in his latest YouTube video was like being a proud dad watching his son graduate high school. Congratulations, Chris. He finally did it. Hey. Question, though. A few podcasts ago, I thought I heard Chris mention a road trip across Japan would now be a yearly adventure. Is this true or was that misspoken? Thank you for the amazing podcast and keeping my dog walks. <laughs> my dog's walks entertaining. Brandon from Iowa. And of course, you were there, Norm, when we saw mm. Mount Fuji, given you were the cameraman for Journey mm. Across Japan, Escape to Fuji. How the did you feel? Was real. The it excitement was, was so real. Just turning the corner in the car and seeing Fuji over the mountain was just like, what? <laughs> I thought you were going to jump out of the car as it was <laughs> moving down. The, like, it just, honestly, the, the, how can I put We weren't expecting it. So it yeah. was a very unexpected moment. Just such a crap week in yeah. terms of weather. And then, bang, blue skies and, yeah, it was like good. Like an hour before we were at the pagoda and it was nothing but overcast and grey mm. skies. And then... And in the final episode coming out, um, the the last episode of Journey Across Japan, we had a really good view of the mountain in the morning on the beach, didn't mm. we? So there's that to look forward to. But, yeah, as for a yearly adventure, uh, absolutely. I, I really enjoyed producing Journey Across Japan Escape to... Fuji, we had a really great team. Uh, myself, Joey, Norm, of course, Ian, uh, the producer. Uh, we had Natsuki, he was a breath of fresh air. I think my favourite episodes were the ones with Natsuki because he added a really funny extra <laughs> kind of dimension to things. Do you have a personal favourite of the episodes? Breath of fresh larva. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the realness of the moment of Natsuki eating the larva and not being able to keep it down. Oh god, that was horrible. <laughs> he was so funny. Like I I've already started to talk talking to everybody from um, the last journey across Japan and we're looking at doing another one early next year, which I hope you'll come back for as well, Norm. Um and so yeah, we are looking at doing it again. Uh all best things come in trilogies, so we need one last trilogy for journey across Japan. Uh and there's still a lot of Japan that we have yet to explore. Uh and we're looking at getting Natsuki along for the whole week next time That'd around, really so nice. that could be really fun. 
going even bigger and better than this season. But uh, that is very early stages, but uh, there'll be more details on that coming out in the next few months. So something to look forward to in 2021, along with the recovery of the entire world, we hope. (laughs) Thank God. But um, thank you for joining us, though, Norm. Not a problem. It's been a lot of fun these last two episodes, and I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Do check out Norm and his channel, Tokyo Lens, on YouTube. Uh, literally just Tokyo Lens. Yeah. He yeah, loves his cameras. Uh, and he's got a podcast, also Tokyo mm-hmm. Lens. Uh, and he's also got a video coming out this weekend. Yeah, a uh, documentary where I interviewed every local who was willing to speak to me in Kyoto. Harassing the locals of Kyoto. Um, They were super pleasant. The first one actually came up to to us, uh, which is what kind of inspired it. And uh, we just asked them what they thought about how empty Kyoto has been. Of course, because Kyoto, obviously, tourist hotspot in Japan, has had no tourists this year. And so you went around and asked people kind of like how they feel about that yeah it's interesting because with kyoto we've we've often documented on this podcast as well like uh, the locals see the whole thing as a double-edged sword like tourists make the economy like have mm. done wonders for the economy of kyoto but it's also been a problem having so mm. many and it's it's kind of ruined kyoto a bit many yep. people would argue but now all the tourists have gone did you find they want them back i found that the each person kind of had their own story, their own reaction, which was very unique. We were like, I met one woman who lives on Fushiminari. Jesus. She was born and raised there. In between the Survived shows. through the war. Wow. Just incredible. And she actually said, she's like, this, this is a place of prayer. Um, while we're happy to have visitors, there's a limit to how much these little mm. narrow roads and stairways can handle. And there have been times where it's been very dangerous just because of the volume of people. I think, yeah. I mean, I think tourism is good for Kyoto, but you've got like bus after bus load of tourists yep. coming off and just, you know, I don't know. It needs to be regulated better mm. or managed a bit better, I think. But uh, it's good to hear they want the tourists back. Yep. Uh, and you can check out Norm's video this weekend on Tokyo Lens. I think it's going to be a good one from what I've seen and heard. But for now, guys, keep the stories, questions, comments coming into Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll be rejoined by Pete. See what he's been up to the last week on his little break and his little holiday. But for now, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll see you then. Have a good one. Take care. was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. 
Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.